Are you tired of people only telling you what you want to hear and not what you need to hear? Me too. I'm Lauren Lahav, and for the last 30 years, I've been blessed to speak to thousands of people around the world and share the stage with some of the world's biggest thought leaders, including Barbara Walters, Tony Robbins, Barbara Corcoran, and Gary Vee. The Get Real podcast is my way of breaking down the BS of the filters of what we say and what we do. Real life, real issues, real solutions. Trust me when I tell you, it wasn't always like that for me. And I'm excited to help you through sharing what has worked for me, but most importantly, it didn't work for me. In the world of political correctness and living our lives on social media, what is real? In my life, I always look to people who understand what I'm going through and are willing to be real with me to help me move through it. With this podcast, I want to be that person for you. Whether it's just us or I bring in one of my friends, I promise these episodes will make a difference in your life. So strap in, hang on tight, and let's get real. And now it's time to get into the podcast. Here's Lauren. Welcome, everybody, to Get Real and Stay True. I am pinching myself right now as uh, I even think about us doing this podcast together. You have no idea, Dr. Sears, how excited I am. Um, You would just share with me about a vacation and then you think about it every day. I think about every single day when I was in North Carolina, was writing my book, No Greater Love, and was looking at the baby book, which I call the baby Bible. And I was like, I'm just gonna send him the rough draft of my book and hope that he'll write a for you know he'll write a testimonial for my book and I remember putting it in the FedEx envelope. This was twenty, geez, I think if Josh was just a couple years old, so it would have been I think twenty two years ago. I literally oh. remember exactly where I was sitting, and I remember just praying on the FedEx envelope, going, "Oh my gosh, I hope that he'll do it for me. He doesn't know who I am." And so to for me. <laughs> doing this podcast with you right now is just crazy. I've actually brought the book out, you know, just to um, look at it again and just, I'm like, wow. And to know that now that we're friends, um, you've had such a huge, huge influence on my life. I mean, those of you that don't know Dr. William Sears, he is he is the master of, of babies. He's written, I don't even know how many books, 32 books. How many books? Uh, for, for, uh, 46, Lauren. <laughs> 46 books. And when I was pregnant with Joss, I remember, you'll share all about your background, but I love that you just live it. Um, but I remember when I was pregnant with Joss and I was like, well, I've done firewalks and I've done, I mean, natural childbirth or being nothing. This will be easy. And they, and my doctor's like, oh, everything's perfect. Everything's great. And I remember uh, going for my last visit and my doctor says, oops, I think I made a mistake. And I'm like, what do you mean you think you made a mistake? And he's, and so I guess Joss was Frank Breach and they tried to do a version and Joss wouldn't move. And I was like, well, what, the, what does Dr. Sears, I went home and go, what does Dr. Sears say about this? There was no internet back then, or I think it was just the beginning of AOL. And I remember you saying the only reason I was like, I was phobic of knives and needles. And I remember it says something like you said, you know, if, if your baby won't turn, you know, this is probably one of the one times that you need to have a C-section. I'm like, okay, well, whatever Dr. Sears says I'm doing. And then 
I remember being at an event and you were speaking on the stage and I was in the, the child room with the parent room and I was, and I was, Asher was running around and uh, I, I remember like, I was like, I'm like, I just love Dr. Sears. Don't you just love Dr. Sears? And I go, his book, the baby book and then the fussy baby book. Oh my God, that book just saved my life with my second son, Quinn. And she looks over, I don't know which of your daughters it was, but she looked over at me and she goes, you like that book? And I go, I love that book, the fussy baby book. And she goes, well, I'm the fussy baby. It's <laughs> my dad. So anyway, Dr. Sears, thank you so much for taking. Oh, thank you, Lauren. It's, a, it's an honor to be part of your life there. <laughs> One of my favorite pictures is when we were at an event uh, and your wife and Z and we took a picture and I have it over there in my other yeah. room. So anyway. But you know, what, what's neat about doing this, you and I, is the reason we write a lot of books and the reason you wrote a book is, I call it the helper's high. You feel good by doing good. Right. At, at the end of this podcast. Right. right. Somebody's life, hopefully, will be happier, healthier, longer because of something we said or something in the book we've written. So uh, something we've written or something we've said makes somebody's life better. That, that's, that's a priceless feeling, that helper's high. So true. And it's exactly what I think the world needs right now, overall, well, just in general, not just now, but anytime. No. It's really hope, right? I mean, really hope. And what you did for me, just from that book, for me picking up that book or every book that I have of yours, <laughs> is that you gave me hope, right? I mean, no. I know you have a lot of books with regards to parents that are dealing with um, no. autism or ADHD or anything no. or nursing. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I could think of every book that you've done. And, um, well, you know, see, uh, pa parents, mothers especially, all right, mothers especially, when they grow a baby inside, which as a humble male, a mere male, <laughs> I think is the greatest profession on earth, <laughs> is to grow a human being. Wow. But when you grow a baby inside, you grow in your brain a GPS. You grow a center in your brain that you never had before. That mother intuition center. How many times I've been in pra practice 50 years now, I've heard mom says, I don't know, something inside me says, something is wrong with my baby. I don't know what, what it is, but Dr. Bill, you figure out what it is. See, so that, that is what is so beautiful about parenting is we, we just grow, our, our brains are different once that little baby comes in. Right. I totally, I totally agree with it. I totally, totally agree. Well, what do you think causes people not to listen to that intuition? Because I think a lot of times you go, gosh, I knew, I knew I should have done that. But do you think sometimes that, that people can doubt that and, 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 and then question who they are, what they are, what they feel is best for their child? Because I know I got a lot of advice from people, but mm -hmm. I to myself, oh, that just doesn't feel right, you know? Good. See, I, that's what I look for. Just what you said. When a mother says to me, well, I read this in a book, or my friend says I should do this, but it doesn't feel right to me. Bingo. Don't do it. And, and I remember, I learned this from Martha. I learned this from Martha. I remember one time Lauren was... Uh, making a mess of herself. You know, she spilt something all over the, all over the floor. <laughs> we would call it a, a two-year-old tantrum. 
And Martha got down eye-to-eye -eye contact, got down in a beautiful motherly voice, calmed her down, and it was like a vibe, a vibe, a vibe from mom to child. And I said, Martha, you knew exactly what to say. You knew how to, to handle that potentially messy situation. And I said, what, what happened? She said, what I did is I put myself into the mind of Lauren. I put myself behind the eyes of this little child and said, if I were my child, how would I want my mother to react? And I did it. Bingo. So that's why I tell moms and dads. Wow. Just put yourself in and say, how, how would you feel if? What would you want your child to feel with your advice? And you do it. And you'll always get it right. I love that. I so love that. It was funny, you know, when I remember once with Asher, you know, my, my youngest, is that I remember that there were all these people that wanted to hold her. And she had this feeling like she was pushing away. And I'm like, okay, if I was, it's funny that you said it, because I was like, you know what, she's trying to tell me something right now. And she started screaming and started like getting like crazy. And instead mm -hmm. of me, like you said, just saying, oh, just, she'll be fine, she'll get over. I'm like, no, something doesn't feel right for her. And so she was trying to yep. say, get me out of this situation, right? <laughs> so I don't know. Okay, so this is called Get Real and Stay True. And you guys have definitely done that. You've been married for how long a uh, 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 54 years wow well and i and i'm and i'm still in training <laughs> <laughs> you know you've worked together you've yeah. you know raised kids together you've seen a lot of parents what do you think makes it extraordinary and i mean you don't just have a good relationship you have an extraordinary relationship what do you think are the foundational you know the foundational pieces for creating a great relationship but it took me a long time to learn this, Lauren, because I grew up in um, uh, what I would call an, as an underprivileged child. Single mom. My dad took off when I was a month of age. So I was kind of, you know, I got to do something for myself. I have to raise myself type of thing. But my mother surrounded me with quality male mentors. Yeah. Quality male mentors. But mom, I want to go to the fun school. No, Billy. You're going to go to the school that teaches you right and wrong, teaches you how to think, and you're going to pay the tuition. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes, Mom. Thank you, Mom. But, but when I, uh, it took me a long time when we got married to realize the key because I was a bit selfish when we got married. You know, I had to, to work and I had to grow a career and I had to do this. But then I realized you first, me second. When I learned, and it took a while, to put Martha first, my wife first, and my children first, and then me, it was like a transformation. Wow. I like the term transformation, an inside job. A light went on, ah, that's what you're designed to do. And so then our marriage took off <laughs> once, once I got it together. But it's interesting that you say, you know, I've been working on a book, uh, called the courage to raise a gentleman and i think that you know that sounds like what your mom did she made you realize that you know you we always say who you surround yourself with is who you become so choose wisely and you needed i i love that there's a book uh what's the name of it i'm trying to remember wild at heart and it talks about that a man needs purpose right that he needs freedom 
um, and he needs something to fight for. So everything that you just shared, you, you know, gave you purpose, uh, something to fight for and a sense of freedom because you had a, you know, you had a passion and I, I know that you have lots of different passions, but it also sounds like your mom raised you about ownership and to earn, you know, it's things aren't just given to you. You need to earn it. Would you say that those are some of the foundational things that she did for you? Yes. My, my, um, well, I, I, the other day I had a, a couple come into my office and somehow we got to talking about things like you are talking about, uh, things you want to put into your child and how you want to raise them, uh, morals, manners, all those things, you know. And I, I remember the mom and dad both said, well, you know, we're kind of free thinkers and we're just going to let my child make up her own mind when she gets to be older. You remember that? Uh, my favorite movie is Dumb and Dumber. Okay. That's Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> Dumbest. It's like a child's brain, their mind is a garden. Your greatest, one of the greatest gardens ever grown is our human brain. And the child's brain is, is just developing, just mushrooming all the time. You, what do you want to do? You want to plant the seeds of how you want that child to act and learn and think and, and, and relate. You want to plant those seeds early. You want to feed and fertilize the seeds early. You want to plant the roots deep. Right. Naturally, when they get to be teens, when they get to college, you know, they're going to, they're going to deviate, deviate a bit and they're going to do their own thing. They're going to freely think and they're going to do all that. But the roots are there and likely they're going to come back to the roots you planted. I love that. So that's what I tell parents. Plant the roots. Plant the roots. Grow the garden. Now your child's going to, you know, blossom in the way they should or the way they want to sometime, but they're going to come back to the roots that you planted. Wow. I love that. That is just the best. And I let you know, what is it to give our kids roots to give them wings to fly? Isn't that the crow? You're yeah. the best at metaphors and how it relates to everything. How did you decide to become a pediatrician? What, I mean, what inspired you to become a pediatrician? <laughs> well, you know, it, it, uh, during, during medical school and uh, during medical school, I, I love that my, my mother and grandmother and the male mentors in my life used to think, whatever you get into, Bill, go to bed at night feeling so good that you've accomplished something during the day. Mm. You're better off. Your family's better off. People are better off because of something you did, period, whatever you go into. And then during medicine, I went into medicine in general, and then in pediatrics, I realized about the third year in medical school, I thought, wow, if I can get a newly pregnant or new parents right after birth and guide them and help them grow roots in their own parenting and roots into that child, I've affected that child for the next hundred years or 90 years. Yep. How many you know, there's no branch of medicine that you can have a 90-year effect yeah. on the person that you give advice to. So that's why I went into pediatrics. Oh, my gosh. Well, you've definitely done that for me, for my family, and I'm forever grateful. You know, like when I remember the time when I, when I got to, when you got to meet Joss and I got to tell you the story <laughs> about everything. It felt so full circle for myself. So let me ask you a question. What are some of the 
the rituals that you do in your life. Um, I know those rituals, but I'm going to share it with everybody here. But what are some of the rituals that you are so consistent with that keep you happy, healthy, and thriving? What are some of the sure. rituals that you do? Well, I call it that you have the five, you, the five keys to your health in the palm of your hand, in your fingers. I eat smart. I move smart. I think smart. I sleep smart. And I serve smart. Wow. And so I start the day. And I think what's really helpful, Lauren, is how you start the day. Yep. So I used to get up and, you know, check the email and check my cell phone and all that. No, no, no. Those first 15 minutes will brighten your day. So I start the day with, I call it movement meditation. You know, I, I, tried, I tried yoga. I lasted about 10 minutes. <laughs> all the ladies were laughing. They called me the stiff man. <laughs> but, but movement yoga. You know, movement meditation in a swimming pool while you're moving, walking, because you can, you can move in synchrony with your mantra. Right. And, and that, what, what starting the day with movement meditation yep. is, it's like it programs the brain. I call it preloading the brain. It preloads the brain. Hey, brain, cool it relax. This is how I want you to spend the day. And so that was one of the first things I learned years ago, how to start the day in a very peaceful way. Love that. I love that. Well, I always say, you know, my whole thing is like how you start your day is the most important thing that you can do. It's funny today, I was writing a, a little chapter for a book and they were asking like, what's one habit that you do? And mine is like my I am statements you know, first thing in the morning, before I even gotten out of bed, I'm like, I'm alive. Yes. Uh -huh. like, you know, I love that I am. I am. See, uh, uh, this, this is, uh, I, uh, a mother told me this one time. I, I use my practice as kind of a laboratory. Yep. And, and when I get a really brilliant mom in here, I said, I got to file that away. I got to do that. I got to put that in the book. <laughs> and, I, and I'll say, oh, no, Lauren, you might be in my book sometime. And so I had a mom come in whose kids I really liked. And these are, this, was, this boy especially was real hyperactive and had a few behavioral issues. He was just one of these brilliant, hyperactive kids. And sometimes the more brilliant in the mind, the more challenging they are. So, um, I, and, and then I noticed how this, she, she had calmed this child over the years. And I said, you know, uh, Julie, what are you doing? What, 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 what do you do? She says, because I had talked to her about meditation techniques for children. I said, we got to teach them beginning at age seven. And she says, I use the I am technique that we talked about. And every night before going to bed, I lie down with my two kids and I say, I want you to pick five things that you like about yourself. I am smart. I am funny. I am a good soccer player. I am, I am, I am, as you drift off to sleep. And then when you get up in the morning, and even the teenagers, I have them right on their, uh, either their cell phone pad, better the mirror, right. as they're brushing their teeth or combing their hair, look at the mirror. Five things I am grateful for. I am grateful for my life. I am grateful for my school, 
I am grateful for my boyfriend, and that might change the next week, but you know, I, am, I am grateful for. And this is called filling your brain with the attitude of gratitude. And if you can teach a child early on when life sucks, and it does sometimes, when life sucks, you, clip it, you click into your gratitude file. Because no matter how life sucks, we all have a few things that we can go outside, say hi to the sky, look up, ah, I am grateful for. And it just relaxes the mind. And actually, they've done, uh, they've done uh, brain studies called neuroimaging, that there's an attitude of gratitude center that lights up wow. during that I am grateful for. Wow. That's so cool. It's funny because I went for a walk this morning with my dog. I have to go at five in the morning because it gets warm. <laughs> funny. I remember this morning, literally just looking up for a second, closing my eyes. Exactly what you just said, closing my eyes, feeling the sun and just, uh, I am so grateful for my life and thought about all of the cool people I was going to talk to today. I thought about you, you know, I thought about a couple other people I'm talking to. And so I am so grateful for you. I want to know a little bit more. I know you've got you're, you're all about the brain health right now, right? I love that you say when someone calls you a fat head, it's a good thing, right? <laughs> yes, we're a good thing. Fat, we're all fat heads. The brain's mostly fat. Right. Like 60% fat. So we're fat heads. And, and that's one of the things that I started doing years ago when I realized, Lauren, that science and good sense need to jive. And that was when the low-fat diets were crazed. Yeah. That goes into my dumb and dumber list. I thought, wait a minute now. The brain is mostly fat. Right. We're fat heads. Therefore, I need to eat a smart fat diet, not a low fat diet. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. And then what? So I, I start eating more healthy fats. And then I thought, well, then I, then I started studying about the brain. I realized the, the brain is now the number one organ in the body that is the sickest. For the first time in our history, brain illnesses are now worse than heart illnesses. So the brain is now sicker than the heart at all ages. So I figure, what is it about the brain, about fat? It oxidizes. It turns rancid. Like you leave a piece of fish out overnight and you smell it in the morning. Oh my gosh. It, it fat oxidizes. So if our brain oxidizes, we need to eat more antioxidants. Fruits, veggies, and berries. See? So this is sort of how I, I evolved into this brain health plan of the brain, of all the organs in the whole body, Lauren, your brain is the most sensitive, for better or worse, for what you eat. You put good food, smart food into your brain, you get happy and smart thoughts. You put junk food into your brain, you get junk thoughts. Right. So what would you say to people with what's, what's, what do people need to wake up to and stay awake to? Because they, I, to understand why this is so, I mean, like, obviously they understand, but what are the consequences for people? Well, the, the consequences is what keeps us doctors so busy. Yeah. Or keep our doctors so busy. And, and so uh, that's why one of, when, I, when I have like behavioral counseling or anxiety counseling, you know, we're, uh, we, uh, pediatricians don't learn that much about anxiety and depression in medical school. 
Right. So I had to undergo a whole learning when I start seeing parents bring their kids in with anxiety and depression at age seven. And that's why I said, okay, let's start with the diet because that's the quickest change. So I want you to eat smart. And I give them a whole thing on just what kind of diet? Just eat real foods. Then I want you to move more. So what does movement have to do with the brain, Dr. Bill? Well, when you, I'm gonna make a, a Nobel Prize winning research, very simple. When you move, you make your own medicines. You make your anti-anxiety medicines. You have a pharmacy inside that opens when you move. So as you did this morning, you went outside, walked your dog. I went for a swim and a long walk. And I'm thinking, I'm making my own medicines. Love that. I'm making my feel-good medicines. So movement opens your pharmacy that you make your own antidepressants, your own anti-anxieties. So that is what uh, uh, caused us, you know, you're about 10 years ago now, we opened our Dr. Sears Wellness Institute to teach health coaches around the world. Now we have over almost 11,000 health coaches in over 22 countries. And our mantra, our trademark teaching is make your own medicines. Lauren, that's the key. Make your own medicines because the medicines you make are better than the medicines you take. They have no side effects. They're custom made just for you. They come out at the right time at the right dose. Wow. And so we call it the pills and skills model. You ask what I believe in, this pills and skills model. <laughs> Sometimes you need the pills too. Right. But you always need the skills, but you never need pills without skills. So make your own medicines. I think that's what your, if I can use the term ministry. Yeah. I think I, when reading your books and your, your podcast, your ministry is basically that. Yep. Skills. Yep. Self-help skills, how to make your own medicines, love sometimes it. in addition to prescription medicines. Yep, I love that. I've, ta I've already taken tons of notes. I'm going to have to go back and listen to this podcast again. <laughs> um, how people can get a hold of you, what, you know, how they can reach out to you, learn more about what you're doing. And yes, well, they can get up through our two websites, uh, AskDrSears.com. Ask, askdrsears.com and the Dr. Sears Wellness Institute.org. Dr. Sears Wellness Institute.org. I uh, can get a hold of me. Very easy to reach. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Sears. It's been a pleasure. And uh, remember to find out more about Dr. Sears in his new book, The Healthy Brain Book. He's got so many books. You could just, you can have a whole library just with the, the 46 books that you've done. See, you have to start. <laughs> You got half of your bookshelf is our, I know mine is half of my book. <laughs> so thank you so much, Dr. Sears. Oh, thank you, Lauren. You've been listening to the Get Real and Stay True podcast with Lauren Lahab. Head over to laurenlahab.com. That's L-O-R-E-N-L-A-H-A-V.com. And as her way of saying thank you for being a listener and subscriber to this podcast, grab a free copy of Paving Your Path with Positivity affirmations to create the change you desire and be sure to subscribe to this podcast and lauren will talk to you on the next episode